I think the people who are doing flying through recovery often maybe post a little bit more and so you can get the impression that it's all smooth sailing and the people who are maybe having a bit of a harder time, although they do post as well, maybe a, le- a bit less prolific and so you can get the impression that it's all just smooth sailing. So I think just you, you, you need to have a bit of perspective about all of that as well. Hey Refam, I'm Kate Wagner and this is Keeping It Real podcast your mother warned you about. This week I'm joined by Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor to chat about managing expectations, both pre and post surgery. We're going to explore how you can't get there from here, that just because you can pull and prod your skin into weird and wonderful ways doesn't necessarily mean a surgeon can achieve it. And as for post-surgery, it's super common for patients to be feeling pretty precarious when they wake up in hospital alone, groggy and unable to stand up straight, wondering if they've made the right choice. The good news is this tends to fade pretty much as soon as they're away from those fluorescent hospital lights. But we're going to give you some coping strategies and ways to head into surgery as mentally prepared as possible. Welcome, Kim and Richard. Further to the point I've just made, you know, people often talk about the period where they're in pain and they're groggy on drugs and they haven't seen their loved ones and they're like, what the hell have I done? This is the worst decision I've ever made. Do you have a lot of patients come in in that time? Like what do you say to them if they do come in? Um, Often times when they're like that, they're actually still in hospital. Um, And so we only get a snapshot of their day and so uh, Rich and I would do a ward round relatively early in the morning, him usually earlier than me um, and the the nurses on the wards where we work are the ones that are really at that coalface and dealing with a lot of that um, anxiety and stress uh, but yeah it's recovery from surgery is it, for some people they breeze through but for most people it's relatively tough um, depending what procedure they've had done um, particularly um, abdominoplasty is probably the, the one of the harder ones to recover from of the things that we do. Uh, and I had a patient last week who was booked for two nights for a mummy makeover and ended up staying, uh, I think, five in the end. Um, and a variety of reasons, um, pain, couldn't sleep, difficulty um, mobilising, um, and a, a few other things. And I was, you know, each day I'm kind of like, you know, uh, in a month's time, you'll be really grateful for this. And in fact, one morning um, she said to me, can you reverse it for me? Because <laughs> that um, wouldn't be painful. <laughs> exactly. And uh, like, you know, she she had a really good insight and, um, I, you know, I, I hope she listened to this podcast because she'll be well and truly over a surgery by then and um, very happy. But yeah, it can, be, it can be tough. And there's many other things that are involved as well like it's not purely about the surgery it's about you know worrying about their kids at home and their um, husbands who you know generally often are not coping so well with the kids at home and um, and recently that not being able to have visitors in hospital too so uh, there's there's heaps and heaps that goes involved and um, I think I've said this in a podcast while a while back but um, it's a roller coaster and um, don't yeah, don't fight it. Your journey's different to other people's. And um, yeah, whilst w- 
one patient day one was like, oh, you know, there was kind of nothing. Um, that's less common. Um, so, uh, yeah, just roll with the punches and it will get better. Um, we have expert nurses that are looking after you in hospital, here in the rooms as well. Uh, Rich and I are always contactable when you're at home and if you're stressing out about things. And, yeah, it's not uncommon um, to get a phone call or a text message you know, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night of someone just suddenly, suddenly – out of the blue can freak out about something and um, just need a bit of reassurance. So, Do you spend a lot of time in, you know, your appointments kind of stressing how major the surgery is? Because even I've noticed in my interactions that people will be like, oh, yeah, but, like, you know, it's just the same as getting a cesarean and it's kind of like it is major surgery. Do you really focus on that in appointments to manage expectations? Yeah, I mean – a significant part of the consultation is talking about the risks and complications of surgery and, and recovery. So I spend a lot of, probably at least half of the consultation is talking about that. And the point, just going on from what Kim was saying, the point that I often made, make is that everyone's journey is a bit different. I think Lauren, our nurse, put it really well when she said some people's chapter two is are other people's chapter 10 or whatever she said. And... I think it's true. I mean, it's always um, – I find it sometimes unusual that I'll do the same operation on the same day on the same operating list and see the patient, both patients, two weeks later and having vastly different experiences. And just important to just reassure them that it all evens out in the end and by the time you get to sort of six weeks, everyone's basically at the same point. But, no, it's an important part of the consultation. It is, always, is it always possible to manage people's expectations and prepare them in advance or is sometimes you just feel like whatever you say doesn't really hit home? No, that definitely does happen um, and we, we generally don't operate on those people. The, the problem is if you somehow do operate on someone whose expectations are unrealistic and it, beca- it becomes very, very difficult post-operatively. So it's it's... That would be a red flag for me. Um, patients have red flags that we've talked about in the past, but we have red flags as well for patients who we think their expectations are not realistic and they're sort of never going to be happy or we can't achieve uh, what they're thinking that can be achieved. And Yeah, I think also a red flag is someone that doesn't want to hear about what the cover- recovery is going to be like or what the actual surgical procedure is going to be like as well um, because we do usually, not usually, we would always describe the operation um, in varying depths of gory details depending on what a patient wants but to describe the operation that they're going to be having will help them understand why they've got pain or swelling or whatever afterwards. And so... um, if someone doesn't want to hear any of those details or I, I don't want to know about anything that could go wrong, is yeah, it is a concern because whilst complications are exceedingly rare, um, you have to know what they potentially are because if if you're the, that one and whatever the n- other number is, if you're the one, it's 100% for you and you have to write that journey Um so, yeah, it is really important to be aware of exactly what you're getting yourself in for. And, you know, it's not it, – it, it's we do this all day, every day, and it's our job to make it safe for you, but also to make you understand 
what you're getting yourself in for. Like you're not booking in for a different hair colour. Um, it, it's uh, you have to weigh up the pros and cons for you as an individual. But most, I think most patients, certainly in 2021, are, are way better informed than five years ago. And it's unusual. I had a consultation today and basically a patient read all of our information that we sent out, had looked over our website, had done her research, everything I said to her, she already knew. And so that that's vastly different, which is, you know, one of the great things that has come out of social media and, and better engagement and this podcast. Yeah, it's ama- it is amazing how many people come in and say, I've you know, watch your lives and listen to the podcast and, and all they kind of uh, after, well, you know, is, is what is specific to them and are they suitable for the operation that they think they're suitable for and what differences for them. And, um, yeah, it's it's a joy to actually be seeing those people for a consultation because, um, you know, generally unbelievably realistic. Um, it, it's It's... The power of the education of social media um, and the support that we have in the groups and everything that people are chatting about these things and are aware of what to expect. Along those lines, I think the two operations where that has had the, been the most impactful is uh, a tummy tuck versus a lower body lift. So patients coming in and they, like say five years ago, patient would come in and they think they need a tummy tuck and they actually would benefit more from a lower body lift. Now patients come in and they say, look, I know I need a lower body lift. So that's number one. And number two would be the um, augmentation and lift. So patients maybe five years ago would come in and say, I want implants, and they clearly need to have an augmentation, uh, need to have a lift as well. But moreover, they know that it, it, it often needs to be in two stages. So sometimes... In the past, people would say maybe think that they needed a lift, but they think it could all be done in, in one stage and it can sometimes be done like that. But uh, to, often it's better to do it in two stages. Uh, but the vast majority of patients come in, they say, yeah, I knew that you you were going to recommend that. Well, I know you guys mentioned obviously that it's like time heals all wounds is kind of – what you relay to patients do you have any other advice people that are struggling with it just really mentally after surgery just dealing with the ramifications of having major surgery talk about it talk to your friends and family and loved ones you um us as your doctors um if you're still in hospital the nurse is there a, a lot of people and patients now already have psychologists and psychiatrists and um certainly in my pre-op consultation if i um, have a patient that's already on that path and has other doctors involved in their care, then I always say have it have a talk to them before your surgery so that they know that that's coming up. So um, if there's any stress, extra stressors or issues afterwards, you've got extra people on your side. Um, have a you know have a team around you. It's it's don't keep it as a, as a secret, which is is pretty rare these days. And again, red flag like extremely unlikely we would operate on someone that was trying to keep having a procedure that we do secret from anyone that they know. So ask for help um, and accept it when it's being offered as well. And and try not to compare yourself to maybe other yeah, people. Absolutely. I think, I mean, we love our re-girls group, but there's, and there, there is some balance. But um, I think the people who are doing flying through recovery often maybe post a little bit more and so you can get the impression that it's all smooth sailing. And the people who are maybe having a bit of a harder time, although they do post as well, 
maybe a, le- a bit less prolific. And so you can get the impression that it's all just smooth sailing. So I think just you, you, you need to put, have a bit of perspective about all of that as well. So that's covering talking about managing expectations in terms of just surgery and how major it can be and it is very life transforming and people might not understand the ramifications that come with that in terms of managing expectations for results what do you say like when a patient comes in and they want to look like Giselle Bunchton I don't know if that's a very <laughs> aged <laughs> Kim Kardashian is probably yeah. more, com- more common right um Giselle Bunchton god bless her um but the surgery isn't going to do that so how do you kind of convey that message to those patients or, you know, manage expectations there? Well, Kim and I, because we've been doing this for so long, the one thing that we've got, and we've been very pedantic about it throughout our careers, is um, taking photographs of before and after patients. So it would be I – it, it's so – like it would never actually happen where you can't find a patient who has a similar body type having the same operation to give you an idea of what – the outcome is going to be. So I think that's the most that that that's the key to uh, your question is finding. There's no point. Um, I'll give a different reference. Maybe El McPherson, a different different <laughs> nice. era, right, right up there with Giselle Bush. Right. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, you know, you, you, you can't. Uh, and the same. I mean, particularly with breast augmentation, you, you can't come in and say oh you know I've got this photo of this person she had 400 I want 400s because it depends on what your body shape is and and your your chest dimensions and how much breast tissue you have whether the 400s give you that look is going to be the right implant so I I think showing before and afters and a variety like a spread of different photos particularly similar body types is really important I think the other thing as well is um, a lot of our patients come in with photos of things that they like too um, and I have had a couple where they show me a photo of something, not quite Al McPherson, but of an outcome that I c- there is no way that I can achieve that on that person. And um, as with experience as well, that we, if you know, I guess find it easier to say no. Like I, I over time have have definitely said no to more patients as time goes on because um, if if that is what you think you're going to look like afterwards I personally if I can't achieve that I'm not going to offer you an operation and sure you know some of those patients will then chop around and find someone who goes sure sure I can uh, I can do that for you and then you know unfortunately that then they get shamed into two three years later sometimes even come back and go yeah you know I didn't take your advice and someone said they could do it and this is where I'm at now and I need a need a fix um so yeah, experience can I, – I can clearly tell you in my hands what kind of outcome I can achieve with your body type. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's very few people that look like Elle McPherson or <laughs> Giselle or um, any any of those other supermodels, and that's why they're supermodels. So, um, yeah, Do you most think things like Instagram and you know, super edited images have – like in your experience, do you have people coming in with more of those images or has it kind of always been pretty constant that you've always had like – someone bringing a picture of celebrity or well i mean it's always been around i mean there there were the magazines uh, and images so it's sort of not new i mean it's more accessible maybe uh i I think it's maybe more of an issue with facial surgery and nose surgery than maybe breast and body and there's certainly the trend and we've seen the kardashians and 
sort of the morphed images um, maybe that, that they've been producing of themselves which are not realistic and so then trying to achieve an unrealistic outcome on someone that is not a realistic outcome to start with um, is obviously trouble but we don't we we wouldn't see many patients like that I, yeah, I think it's so few and far between and I think there's this perception that because of social media that everyone that we see is coming in with really unrealistic expectations but you know that's probably uh, one in a hundred one and even a higher number than that of someone that is totally unrealistic like over over 99 percent of our patients come in and they are normal people um, that have an area of their body through um, genetics or weight loss or pregnancy that um, they don't like or causes them pain and it causes problems and they are yeah normal people not supermodels not expecting to look like a supermodel yeah. totally understanding and accepting of what we do causes scars and there's a recovery period um, and so yeah that the myth that plastic surgery is for the rich and famous and is going to give you um, make you look ridiculous or um, unrealistic expectations is is really certainly in in my practice and in our in our practice um, what we see through re is is so far removed from that. And for all of our patients who actually are supermodels, obviously, Kim is not referring, <laughs> yeah, it's not referring yeah. to you particularly. Come in on that down. <laughs> I think the the other thing that some people in our industry um, their perception about social media is that it's kind of inducing patients, particularly young patients, to have plastic surgery. And I, I don't see that. I've, I, I've never seen someone come in and say, "I," which is kind of leading on from what we were talking about before, but I've never seen someone come in and say, I was never thinking about it and then I saw this photo and suddenly I want a breast augmentation. I, 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 like Honestly, I've never seen someone come yeah, in like that. Yeah, I think that. a lot of the rhetoric seems like it's this huge endemic and it's like none of my friends have had any like plastic surgery or whatever but the, if you just watched whatever you kind of consumed this media where you're like oh my god all of these young girls now are being forced into plastic surgery and it's like I don't think that that's really that, that is just not what we see through our practice I, I, at all I yeah. think it's as ridiculous as saying you watch a tv series on Netflix about a mass murderer and then suddenly you just oh no, I'm going to become a mass murderer like that'll Girls be really good. Ties. <laughs> How did how did you start your whiskey drinking? Well, that was a nice loading incident. Do people kind of often come in and just like pull and prod their skin and say, "I wanted to do this," and if they do do that, like, what do you say? Again, that's the you know one in uh, one in two hundred that um, I think I've said this on another podcast. The the patient that came in and said, "I want to be snatched," <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of my favourite lines ever. And I was like, okay, you might just need to describe to me what parts of your body bother you, what you actually want me to look at. Um, and if someone can't verbalise to me, um, you know, I've got a mum tum from pregnancy or, you know, I've got some fat on my thighs I don't like or my breasts are too big, to say I just want a Kardashian body or I want to be snatched, um, I'm pretty sure I probably can't help you. <laughs> I think that's been one of the great things with COVID because we're often wearing a mask and so you can mask like just sort of a little bit of your facial expressions when someone doesn't says cover, that. Doesn't cover the eye roll. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, no. no. Bad news for you. I, I think, yeah, the worst thing someone can say is, 
because you know often the start of the conversation is so you know how can I help you why have you come here today and and when someone says I don't know I just want you to fix me as Kim was saying like that's just you you, you need to have clear goals and you need to have clear problems uh, uh, that you want addressed and, and then we can look at it and address it but it doesn't work like just to say please fix me in your experience, is there a particular surgery, not even necessarily one that you do now, but where you kind of had the most disappointed patients, where like their view of what they expected doesn't isn't in line with what they get? Thigh reductions. Oh, I um, yeah, I would I would actually probably say facelift because I think and um, I can't remember the last time I did a facelift, but it was quite a few years ago. Um, it's an operation that. Um, people often look amazing for the first month because they're a bit swollen and a bit tight. Um, they still look great at six months, 12 months, but the um, the ultimate outcomes I think are probably either they're overdone and look ridiculous or the improvements are very, very subtle. Um, and I'd probably put brow lift in with that as well because that's even – even like you either look like a um, ex football player commentator uh, who was male who was massively overdone and probably five years later looks better than he did pre surgery. Um, but there are there are procedures that you really you know they either give you a very small improvement or you look ridiculous and it's a fine line. I think I think thigh, thighs are really challenging to get a great result I don't, I don't think you can normalize people's thighs as much as you can with their tummies and breasts uh, so I, I, I always try and sort of lower expectations and often the worse you are to start with the, the more improvement you're going to get but it's still never quite as good and the scars are not quite as good so I find that that that's an operation that, that is more challenging I mean there can be huge benefits for that individual patient, but I don't think the aesthetic outcome is is as good as other surgeries that we do. That's a really good way to describe it. I think <laughs> you just said that to yeah to normalize it because you can you can pretty much normalize someone's breasts and tummies, mm. um, but yeah you can improve their thighs. But yeah, that's a that's a great description. Conversely, is there one that people seem to just overwhelmingly be you'd like never ever hear a complaint about and like. I don't know how to say that without sounding like in terms of your skills, but in terms of their expectations versus results, it seems to always just hit the mark. Well, I think it's important because it, it is different like who's doing it, but I think for both of us, and we've done so much breast and tummy surgeries now, I think it's very rare that we would have patients who uh, have, we haven't met their expectations. Uh, I think they're both very predictable um, straightforward operations that, that we just do so many of that the outcomes are just super consistent and you know we can describe the aesthetic goals that we're trying to achieve and we know the right patients we we know the the, the thing patients where it's not going to get the outcome and uh, either they need to lose weight first or they're not for surgery so i, I think you know body contouring and, and breast surgery um, is is super predictable and usually uniformly very happy patients. Totally agree. Do you ever have people come in who kind of like show you, you know, a YouTube video or an Instagram video and they're like, this doctor did this, can you do it? 
I think uh, we had an online inquiry the other day about that and um, uh, a patient that I'd already seen and sort of described what I could achieve and what I would recommend um, and then came back with a video from someone from overseas and said, I don't want your recommendation. Um, have you watched this video? I want this operation. Um, so, yeah, well, I've certainly recommend she comes back in and has another chat with me um, because there's, yeah, there's things that you can see and um, videos that you see of people having surgery and they're on the operating table and it's like, wow, like there's no way I can achieve that outcome. But I also know in my hands what that's going to look like in three months, six months, 12 months, and it's almost certainly not going to be as good as what um, that patient thinks it is. So, um, you know, as Richard said, the the breast and tummy surgery that we do, we know in our hands um, what's predictable, what kind of outcomes we can achieve. If someone wants to find someone that can do an operation from YouTube that's kind of made up for one of a better word or, or something that's, you know, left of spectrum. Um, sure, that's but that's not um that's not for me. Um, because I know I know, uh, with experience what uh, what I can achieve with doing what we do. Any final words of wisdom? Do uh, do your research. Um, Make sure that uh, who you're seeing is a specialist plastic surgeon. Um, uh, listen to the, all the rest of our podcasts, and uh, you know, look look on our website and social media, and um, chat with real patients um, about real outcomes. And um, yeah, have obviously think long and hard about what what you want and what your expectations are, and uh, hopefully, most of the time, we can meet those. Yeah, and I mean, we've sort of talked about patients bringing photos in. I, I don't want to make it sound that we don't like to s- patients to bring photos. I find I do find it helpful because it does provide sort of a, a, a goal and an outcome and then you can be honest and say whether you can achieve that or not achieve it. And often now we get patients bringing in photos off our social media and our website and saying, you know, you did this surgery and that's what I'm trying to achieve. And so I, I find that very helpful. Um, but yeah, exactly what Kim said. Yeah, I think it is important to note that our patients are very keen and eager to kind of express and share their experiences and talk to each other. And so it's like if you can reach out to real people that have had surgery, I think it's going to massively impact your expectations. Totally. Thanks, gang. Thanks, Thanks gang. Kate. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics, so send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today, and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.